and welcome to a tale of two rivals. Fantasy Football Podcast, where one rival is a wannabe stat nerd, and the other rival is a trash-talking, go-with-your-gut fantasy player. Our goal for the podcast is to find some kind of consensus between those two drastic differences and come to some sort of consensus for our fantasy football analysis. And we are excited for our national launch after a season of League Pacific Banter. I'm Todd, FF Banterman Foster, your old school block up the noise, all I do is win host, joined by... Dave FF Spaceman Wright, and I'm your wannabe stat nerd slash spreadsheet grinding fantasy football manager. And one heck of a commissioner. Loving the Dynasty League, Dave. Loving the Dynasty League. I'm blushing. No one can see it, but I'm blushing. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So that that league was a baby that developed over 10 years of playing fantasy football together. Uh, You know, like we went through your, your redrafts, your... $20, $20, like Venmo didn't exist kind of thing. And, you know, endless phone debates, endless jokes around like Bishop Shanky and David Wilson. And we decided to take all these endless long phone debates and put it on the World Wide Web. So, and yeah, so we often look at our analysis through a super flex format. However, uh, we will probably touch upon some other formats from time to time, but w- traditionally we are super flex dynasty kind of guys. Deep so. roster stuff too. We're not like, you know, we're not, uh, you're not finding uh, Peyton Barber on the waiver wire or anything like that. No, this is deep diving. Let's get to the nitty gritty kind of stuff. So yeah, I love me some deep rosters, Dave. Love me some deep rosters. I'm, I'm so. blushing again. Just talking about it. Todd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So let's get into it tonight, Dave. All right. Tonight's topic. NFL training camp news. The wait is over. Football is back. Excitement is high. And everyone starts freaking out over every single alert. However, before we start freaking out over the fact the NFL is back and we're talking about it, let's define what is training camp news. So the way we define training camp news is anything from anywhere in any format regarding NFL football news from the start of the NFL training camp until August 31st. So pretty much from the beginning of last week to the beginning of, of the regular season, that is training camp news. So yeah, some so specific examples. That's a really broad topic, but so why don't we just give you a couple uh, quick examples. So training camp news would uh, qualify like a holdout would qualify. So Melvin Gordon would con- and Zeke would uh, qualify as training camp news. Um, any new contract like Tyler Boyd, uh, contract speculation like Julio Jones. Uh, pr- coach press, uh, press conferences, coach speak, um, teams releasing depth charts before the preseason games. Actual preseason games would count as news for us, the way we're, we're going about this. Um, you know, practice stats and who's lining up with who. Uh, injury news is a big one. Um, and a little guilty pleasure for some of us. Uh, hard knocks. Uh, training camp highlight videos. Love me some hard knocks. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, hard <laughs> and Joku. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a deep that's a deep joke we have I, that's uh i love me some njoku but anyway um trade rumors player tweets speed reporter speculation that's basically some examples of what we're gonna get into we're gonna decide basically you know are we gonna ignore the noise or we're we gonna you know pay a little attention to it todd so we're talking yeah. about practice dave dave not a game practice so all right alan, all right, alan. come on let's go <laughs> ai son um so every year, everybody says, don't get caught up in training camp hype. But everyone bites. I bite. Dave bites. I mean, I tend to think I don't bite as much as others, but maybe I do. But right now, we're only, I don't know, not even a weekend, and there's already been so much hype. You know, like, Balash comes in and starts running with the ones on day one, and now it seems like his stock's rising and Drake's is falling so quickly. You know, Melvin Gordon, I don't think is going to sign a contract till 2023, most likely. Um, Todd, I have to interrupt. I do not bite on training camp news. Never have. I have never drafted Charles Johnson from the Vikings in the fifth round um, of a redraft league. I don't get hyped up with anything. I've never um, thrown a tantrum at a pub about Devontae Parker being drafted. Um, you know, that's not me. That's just not who I am. So, I, you know, I'm. we're talking about other people, not me. Yeah, no, Dave, 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 Dave's never done that. 
<laughs> yeah, Dave, 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 Dave has never bit so hard on guys like Devontae Parker or David Wilson, you know, oh. or uh, Darius Geis. Dave, Dave never really was into Darius Geis, who oh. needs completely new hamstrings. You know, I think um, we're, you know, we're going to be just Twitter best friends soon, me and Darius. So uh, <laughs> watch what you're saying about my boy. Just a little <laughs> side note about our host, David, here. He has traded for and traded away and drafted Darius Geis five times. So drafted him, traded him, traded back for him, traded him again. All right? So, excuse me, four transactions, and the guy hasn't even played NFL down yet. And then in our redraft league, I also drafted him um, a week before he uh, blew out his knee against the Patriots. So, yeah, I'm uh, yeah. I'm in on me some Garrus guys. But anyway, yeah. anyway we, we're off the rails. We, we digress. But anyways, the whole point of this is, is, like, we're not even a weekend, and there's already, like, plenty of things to bite on. You know, this. how would you compare this to maybe, like, last year, Dave? Yeah, so looking back um, last year, some of the big uh, hot topics during training camp was there was a Roto World blurb saying Trey Burton was going to fill the Travis Kelsey role for the new Matt Nagy Chicago Bears offense. Um, I bet he looked great in Philly. Just saying, he did look great in Philly. Oh, he was a, yeah, but he wasn't. Uh, he was never going to be a top five tight end in my opinion. No, but anyway, no. um, you know he's what two hundred twenty five pounds, uh, soaking wet, but. Anyway, and then we have uh, Jarvis Landry Blessum and his big, awkward rally the troops, but I'm just going to put you down um, speech in training camp on Hard Knocks. I I don't know, Todd. Uh, Dude, I'm sorry, man. I don't know. HBO just gets me. Like, you know, any show they put out, I just love. And they put on a football show. Like, yeah, training. Yeah. Hard Knocks gets me there, man. Like, I I, I definitely bite on somebody for Hard Knocks. (laughs) I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough. Um, George Kittle. Last year, I remember he uh, got he uh, left the week one preseason game with a shoulder separation or something, and Shanahan said he would miss some time, and George Kittle plummeted down d- draft boards, and he basically won people leagues last year. So that's so much for training camp news in that situation. Indeed, indeed. Um, I think, Todd, you got a little caught up in the Isaiah Crowell hype last year. Um, I think he was being drafted in the fifth round of places. Not you, but I saw some teams that were drafting Isaiah Crowell in the fifth round for that Jets team. I think you're talking about how I picked him up, and then he like went to IR immediately this year. That's true. And that, yeah, that, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I think last year too, you might have talked about him, but you never got your hands on him. But yeah, so no, no, no. Yeah, I don't overpay, Dave. I don't overpay. You don't overpay. Him. Yeah. So and then we had the whole Chris Hogan Rex Burkhead hype train that oh, was yeah, going on. Oh yeah. I mean, I I, uh, I bid on both of those. I, I love me some Sexy Rexy. Um, oh, I was all about Sexy Rexy. I was and then with you on that one. 7-Eleven, Chris Hogan, open all day. You know, I anyway, we, we learn from our mistakes, and that's why we're uh, we're here to tell you about them. Um, I mean, and the last one I wanted to say was um, Patrick Mahomes. He threw some picks in training camp practice, and before you knew it, um, he, was, like, he was everyone's QB sleeper, but he was all of a sudden like a wasted, a busted draft pick, a bad, you know, and yeah. but then again, he was uh, Super Bowl or not Super Bowl MVP, um, but he ended up being the regular season MVP. So, and that's like my favorite one, just because like this guy was dominant as a QB, you know. And people are so quick to judge any alert and literally any information, and people are able to scoop him so late, you know. So uh, yeah, I did I mean, forget. That's a great example. I did forget the most important example, Todd, that got everyone hot and bothered was the Josh Gordon shirtless uh, pictures. <laughs> That was my phone. I think the battery overheated. I had to put my phone down. Um, whew. But that you know, that's what I'm, that's what we're dealing with right now, Todd. We're we're, we're dealing with that. So what's yep. the go- <laughs> so just like DK baby DK like like flexes on that and all of a sudden like AJ Brown outperforming him in on on the same team and like Metcalf's now like this Greek god. I'm like, are fantasy football players looking for an eight pack over college production now? I mean that's just ridiculous. I I I am not a DK guy for the record. I I see that guy's a bust, but that's for another episode. He did come up. He did uh, rise up my uh, my rankings after I saw that cute little video of uh, Pete Carroll taking his shirt off too. But anyway, uh, <laughs> gotta love the old football coach out there and uh, on the West Coast. But uh, yeah, so the goal of tonight's training camp segment, Todd, is really we want to tell the audience, you know, how we bo- go about getting our training camp information. You know, what works for us, what doesn't. And then also what information we actually value and what we think is hype. And then we want to take all of this news and how we use it for our advantage in fantasy football. So that's the big goal tonight. A lot of podcasts um, will tell you, oh, just don't worry about it. But we want to give you a deep dive, a nice strategy segment of how to go about this. And because it's a big part, because it, as you, we just gave in the examples, um, yeah. it can really change player values. So. 
And, and I think the other thing that's important to point out is that Dave and I go about getting our information in different ways. So you're going to get like, you know, one that's maybe a little more detailed and the one that's a little bit more like, I don't know, simple. So, um, so for me personally, um, I'm mostly on, you know, my fantasy week and sweeper to get alerts, you know, it's nothing crazy because that's where my dynasty weeks are. Like I'm the kind of guy that like likes to look at my roster, ponder it, you know, look at the wire. I like to do a lot of mocks, think about possible trades. And while I'm there, I look at alerts, you know, um, and then I usually have my guys, and that's where the Google machine does its thing. And this is particularly important for me for, like, you know, deep roster searches um, for sweepers. So, like, a lot of training camp for me is I'm really looking for sweepers. It's not really changing much for me when it comes to studs, you know. And I do like to gather my information from, you know, sources that are more tailored to fantasy and some that are just tailored to non-fantasy in football. Um, the only application i have for notifications pop-ups is cbs and because i feel like cbs for the most part is really only going to tell you about suspensions and injuries mostly which is nice compared to other ones that will tell you about player tweets which i don't care so filters it some of it out for you already which you appreciate right yeah yeah i like that little bit of filter there you know um but even then like i take that information with a grain of salt because you know i don't take training camp information just run with it you know and one of the things that i'm actually really starting to enjoy is um you know joining groups on social media now dave's much more twitter uh experience than me i'm still an old fogey like chilling with my facebook groups but um i've been on the dynasty nerds group and um one guy who was a vikings fan posted about chad bb and if you're a football fan over the age of 35 you know about don bb so, like, you know, there's some name recognition there, and I looked it up. I'm like, ooh, he's getting some some major hype as the wide receiver three for the Vikings. And that gets me excited. Like, that's a guy that now I'm going to keep my eye on. You know? Todd's a fan of NFL bloodlines, so he likes his... Uh, I am. You know. I, am a, I am a fan of it, you know? But I, I think I'm more of a fan of a guy who would be having to be getting open with Thielen and Diggs on each side of him. So. Yeah. yeah, and then also Kyle Rudolph and, you know, Dalvin Cook. So he's definitely not going to have a lot of uh, defensive shifting coverage his way. No, right. So, Dave, like, so how's your search for the holy grail of fantasy football information? The man has spreadsheets for days. So one thing that I've learned, unfortunately, recently, is that there is no holy grail. Um, I drop, you know, <laughs> as the tears fall down on my keyboard right now. But, uh yeah, so what basically the whole process started for me of trying to become more of a systematic and spreadsheet kind of guy was I, you know, I was doing great in my family leagues, but then once I got into like a bunch of like more competitive um, leagues with coworkers and you, you know, in our leagues we've been in together, Todd, I had, I couldn't just rely on, you know, just, you know, basically staying up to date on news. I had to dive in a little bit more and I found myself making a lot of mistakes. So I, you know, started looking back and seeing what my mistakes was. And the idea of to become more systematic is to correct those mistakes. So um, the way I go about um, gathering my information is um, basically I'm, a, I'm big on Twitter. I love Twitter because uh, so what I do is I like to get my information as much as close to source as possible. I have uh, I follow four beat reporters for each team. And, uh, yeah. That's just Luda to me. Luda. <laughs> That's so much work. <laughs> So it so back when I did it and I created and I've updated as you know beat readers come and go. But originally it was a lot of work and it you know it was a whole afternoon um, one day. But what I actually just found in case anyone is interested in doing something like that Chris, at Chris Weisling, big or West I forget how to pronounce his name, but he's big time. He's around the NFL podcast host and he writes for NFL.com. He used to work for Order World. Big guy, um, great personality on Twitter. But he has his own list on Twitter of all the beat reporters to follow so that's an easy real if you know todd you just knew to pretty new to twitter if you want to get some beat writers click on go to chris weisling he has the all the work already done for you so oh i'm <clears throat> i i like guys you do the work for me i'm in on that so all so, right and the reason why i like it this way is you know i guess my teachers from college and and you know high school they beat into me that you know don't use wikipedia for your research papers so the idea is, you know, if I go to the as much the source as possible, these beat reporters, I'm getting a little bit less of a filter than a Roto World or a CBS or a ESPN is going to give me. 
and I'm going to get, you know, as close to the, you know, as I can. So, and another perk is I usually, if the break, the beat reporter reports it, I get it 10 to 40 minutes before the, um, the mainstream picks it up. So I can make ads like immediate waiver wire ads if I have to. Um, but yes. And then also I like, it builds me a little foundation to work upon. I, I just feel like that gives me a good feel for the team at all times to make split decisions. But anyway, fair enough. I mean, I don't think I personally would dive that deep into it, but you know, that's the kind of information information you can burn that you can use to burn me this year. Like I'm like I said, I'm old school. I go with my gut. I don't try to do too much of that. But these are the kind of things that you can that you can use to get over on people, you know. So um, how else you give your information, Dave? Like what else are you using? I mean, I'm a big time fantasy podcast guy. I mean, when me I'm driving too. to uh, when I'm driving to work, I got my earpiece in and I'm listening to it. Um, if I'm cooking, doing chores, doing yard work. I mean, I'm, I'm listening to like 10 to 12 podcasts a week. That's how much I, I so. That's commitment uh, right there, baby. Yeah. That's commitment. I don't listen to music anymore. Um, <laughs> so unless I'm, you know, out with a wife, that's the only time it's not, my ears are not filled with fancy football content. Now, I wish it, it resulted in one or two more championships, but we'll get there, Todd. It's a journey. I, I'm, um, I'm already there. I'll let you know what it's like. You have, just let me know. <laughs> I mean, I do use Roto World, like we mentioned, uh, like I mentioned, but it's only usually as a failsafe or to get a feel for what the baseline fantasy football analysts or players getting like what they're reacting to. I like to get a feel right. for. And then um, I'm not a big magazine guy, um, as I've been famously told in a famous video of ours. I've been uh, very adamant in my feelings about magazines. But are you? Uh, do you uh, do the old hard copy, Todd? I know you're. You're. Uh, you have some gray in your beard, so. <laughs> I do. I, I'm getting significantly more by the day, to be honest, with the gray in the beard. Um, yeah, well, to tell you the truth, like, I feel like with magazines, it's never been something that, like, I always looked at the rankings, like, those are my rankings. It's always, like, fantasy is to me, it's entertainment, you know? I love magazines. Same with and, podcasts for me, too, honestly. It's, it's more entertainment than just, yeah. Right. But anyway. But I also like the idea of, like, being able to look at something while somebody talking to me and then me being able to think about it on my own before I hear the ideas, which is kind of ridiculous given the fact what I'm saying, I'm on a podcast right now. <laughs> but at the <laughs> same obviously. time, but that's that just the obviously. way that I've always done it. And um, it's worked for me. Like, I've won multiple leagues. I'm the reigning champion in our Dynasty League. Um, I, I beat Dave in the playoffs. It's a good time. Uh, week um, 15 was – or week 14 was a tough week. But anyway. That, yeah. Anyway. You, yeah, you lost. Um it, and oh, but for me, like I do get my own rankings. But I honestly think the thing about magazines to me is like it's nostalgic to me. Like I was buying fantasy football magazines in high school, you know. So like to me, it's kind of one of those things that just makes you feel a little familiar, you know. So like, do I think it's something you need to buy to get an edge in a week? Of course not, you know. But I do think it also keeps you grounded, though, Dave, because with all the hype that comes out of these things, where guys might jump like four rounds because of like training camp news just look at what it is on paper like that can't get changed it's already on print and it kind of gives you a little bit of a reality check at times you know so like that's the way i've always thought about rankings too it's like i like to see where people go nuts and you know a magazine's not going to change you know so that's one way of doing it usefully if you want to check to see how much hype this guy has gotten see where they're ranked yeah you know all right on and paper. then you know so that, drawing back to the top do we get caught on the, do we get caught up in the height or we just ignore it so Todd um, what are some things for you that you just immediately whenever it's a, a t what type of news do you just immediately throw out and you just don't think it's useful because you know how do you, what's your filter um I, I coaches praise like this guy's in great shape this guy's showing the work ethic that basically da, 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 anything da. Pete Carroll says pretty much like <laughs> Pete Carroll like I I can't stand Pete Carroll as like just a Patriots fan or just a general football fan, but I mean, I respect him as a coach. Like I really do. Like, and his players seem to love him, but like, he's like the definition of coach's praise. Like I can't stand it, you know? But, um, I mean, the guy I already talked about before is Chad Beebe. The other reason I got excited for him is that in coaches speak, like definitive language, like it's his role to lose. So they're saying that Chad Beebe is the wide receiver three with his role to lose. And that's, that's definitive language. That's that's the kind of talk I look for from a coach. But most coaches never say anything like that. You know, like um, uh, Zach Taylor just said about A.J. Green's injuries. Like, like, you know, I'm not sure about it, but I think we're going to be okay. Like, that means absolutely nothing. <laughs> you know? Like, like that's just like, why would I pay attention to that? But anyways, uh, another example would be like teams are releasing depth charts and depth chart speculations. If, if we're in a situation where it's close... 
why couldn't that just change by like week two, three, or four? You know, and like for me also, like when you have those kind of guys, you're like typically when you talk about depth charts, you're most looking at running backs. You know, mm-hmm. so like and it, most things are by committee, anyways. You know, so to me, I don't really think that that's such a huge deal to me. Um, and like I said before, stats from practices. We're talking about practice. You're not a practice guy. We, I, no. I get it. No. Like, anytime anybody tells me something that happened without pads and a 7-on-7 drill, I'm like, seriously? Like, it just, it, it doesn't, no. It do, I, I don't care. <laughs> so, and when you're talking about, you know, uh, stat training, I just, a little more specific. When you're talking about training camp practice stats, you're talking about more like how many catches a guy made or how many uh, pass attempts Tom Brady made in a certain session. You're not talking about like who's not, like you're not talking about who's running with the ones, or is this all inclusive? Pretty much. Like I, I'm, I'm talking about like mainly. I was targeting more traditional stats, like catches and that. Like a guy throws two picks in a drill. Like I'm like, who cares? You know what I yeah. mean? Like you just said with Pat Mahomes and like who's running with the ones. Yeah, I'll pay a, a little bit of attention to that, but it's more like that's for me. It's kind of like when I see those kind of hypes, is how can I use it against? my yeah. my league mates like mm-hmm. people go nuts about those things and i'm like okay what door does that open in other places like i'm saying right now drake looks like a good guy to look at trades right now yeah mm-hmm. you know just because yeah. it's like you know that hype might come down a little bit and the price might go up a little bit more so you know um so and- based on what i'm getting the read i'm getting from you todd is that you must be a big time you know, you probably get all the updates when Antonio Brown's tweeting about his how his feelings, what he had for breakfast, or what Tom Brady's t- putting in the shake. That matters a lot for you when it comes to your rankings, right? I hate you, Dave. <laughs> I hate you so much. Uh, the, oh. Well, at least we're getting our feelings out there in the open. I, I still love yeah. you, but uh, once <laughs> once I win, I'll tell you my true feelings. <laughs> no, I don't care about player tweets. I don't care the only time it mattered was like Le'Veon Bell in that holdout like that was just like insanity you got to like, peek a little bit behind the curtain but really what, yeah well yeah, I, I would I would say like to so okay old school football mentality a guy who's gonna work is gonna show you he wants to work you know Le'Veon Bell just got paid a huge contract held out a whole year you know, like, those are the kind of things I'm like, eh, maybe there's some other guys I would put, like, a step or two ahead of him, you know? Like, I would take Julio Jones over Le'Veon Bell in pretty much any format right now, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, a lot of people would say, like, well, you got to, you know, a workhorse back. I mean, also the fact he went to the Jets, like, I mean. Well, you don't like Mr. Uh, Adam Gase taco-wise? Uh, you don't like? Uh... Yeah, because because <laughs> a guy did really well with the Dolphins and then got another dub. Yeah, really looking great there, buddy. Um, yeah, so, I mean, so, like, typically, no. I mean, in extreme examples, yeah, maybe I'll pay attention to a tweet here or there, but for the most part, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, if I, they're saying, I'm retiring, maybe you'll pay attention to that, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, oh, yeah, like, I was in a, like, I mean, I have a roster for a, a startup I just did that's 40 men, and you better believe my last round pick was was Calvin Mert, was Calvin Johnson. It's 40th oh. round. <laughs> And because because that week he went to the Atlanta camp, and then he came out and said, oh, yeah, "I'm not coming back." So I dropped him for like whoever else was available. It didn't matter. But um, yeah. So um, yeah. So but for another one for me is uh, beat writers, dude. Like I respect beat writers no end. I think that when you're going to be coming through and getting like accurate information, the guys that are on the local that are building those relationships day in day out with players important. But at the end of the day. They have a certain kind of job to do, and trying to find a story for that local audience audience every day. You it's know? a grind. It's a grind, right? So it's not necessarily something you need to dive deep into on a daily basis. You know, like those guys are trying, and like let's also be honest, like like papers are a dying breed, and you're trying to get guys like you know digital subscriptions and all that. So to me, it's kind of like you don't really need to dive in. I know you have your thoughts on beat writers, and you use them that way. I personally think that, you know. It can be helpful at times, but I don't think it's something that I need a beat writer speculation on something going down the road. Yeah, and we, you know, let's be clear. When we mean speculation, what we're trying to say is when a beat reporter says, a beat reporter says, I feel or I think, you know, yep. that's, 
you know, oh, you know, and they might be right, or they might be hiding something they just can't quite report on because they've been told not to. You know, who knows what's going on? They might be there's right. There's a lot of variables in there. Lots a of a ton variables. of variables, but in general, we're disregarding it because there's. If we made our now, if we made our moves based on beat reporter stuff, our rankings would be changing. You know, we'd have we basically have three thousand guys in our first round if that was the case because everyone's doing great this time of year. Um, everyone's you know gained fifteen pounds when they need to add some more muscle. Everyone's lost weight that's want to get a little quicker. Um, so it's really tough to you know put that yeah. speculation in there. Right. So Dave. So like you know, I just went off and kind of gave my pieces. Anything else that you might disagree with or like you might agree with? Like anything else to throw out there that you just don't really pay attention to? You know, the whole idea of this podcast, Todd, was for us to, you know, we're just two total two guys who have different um, opinions on football, different ways of going about things, but we agree here. Everything you've said so far, I do not pay attention to, except for when in these very minute situations where you always have to just use your common sense. But um, if I was going to throw a couple other things I actually don't pay attention to, I don't pay attention to training camp videos. I mean, I, I'll, I'll watch uh, Stefan Diggs make a crazy one-handed catch all day long, but it's, he's not moving up my rankings because I already have him, you know, pretty freaking high. But there is one type of workout video that will change my rankings. Okay, to on a driveway or you know something different. It's when a player's on a is on a balance ball and is catching multiple balls coming at him. When I see that. Easily drop them up three three rounds, no problem. That's going to translate to the field all <laughs> well, day, you know, every and day. And then the next video, he's catching bricks, yeah. right? So. Right. <laughs> it, it, is it impressive? Sure. I probably can't do it. Actually, I definitely can't do it. But at the same time, like, come on. Like, yeah. when people get hyped about that stuff, I'm just like, what are you thinking? But yeah, good, good point about the videos. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, so we're pretty much, we're in agreement here, and then... I'm um, trying to think. Ultimately, no. So now we get to the next big major topic we're going to talk about, and that's injuries. I think we both agree that um, actually. So those are things we disagree with. Things that we actually agree that might matter for training camp news is is injuries. Um, injuries matter in all fantasy sports. Period. Yeah. 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 And no, nobody wants to be the guy who's going to be drafting, um, you know, a guy in the top four rounds who's already blown his ACL out. Um, nobody wants to be that guy in the draft room. The, the ridicule. Um, if you're yeah. drafting a guy who's injured in the first four rounds, I'd like to ask you what you're thinking. Yeah, and you're not, you know, after we take your money the first the first time, you're out of the league the next year. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Can't hang, um, baby. <laughs> so, we, we matter. So, certain things about uh, injuries matter. But, so my question is, Todd, for you, as I try to find my place here. But, so let's dig a little deeper than just, you know, you know, we don't want to draft a guy who's injured. Um, what do you look for? With injury updates and injury update news. All right, so it, it it's a it's a broad topic. It's a tough one to dive into because you know it's hard to be definitive. Also, as a Patriots fan, my God, is this a difficult thing to ever get a handle on your home team? You know, like I feel like Tom Brady has been on the injury report like every other game of his career. But for me, when you're talking about like like a perfect example, let's talk about AJ Green, right? Timetables hit when that injury first hit. Tons of speculation. People are freaking out. I saw some awful trades going through in some of these in some of the groups I'm in. But today you're looking at I saw four weeks and then Schefter, Adam Schefter, comes out with six to eight. You know? And to me, that's what people need to remember. So we're talking about six to eight weeks today, not six to eight weeks in the season. So mm-hmm. he's back second to fourth week. So you're looking at missing a quarter, right? So I'm saying like I'm not that upset about looking at a guy coming back week four depending on the type of injury right okay so like if you have a timetable we're going to come back by week four i'm feeling more comfortable with that information you know because i also think that what you're going to get is i'm comfortable with drafting that guy as he slides in your draft Okay. And what you do is when you get that guy that's injured in week four you got to have that safe option coming somewhere in the backgrounds Mm-hmm. You get you get you gotta wade the water. It's kind of like plan for, you have to plan for it. So like it's like those guys that are getting four week suspensions in the NFL. You just gotta come out two and two, baby. You know? Yep. And then, you know, you go off and win a Super Bowl when he wins the uh, Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> so yeah. But like those are the kind of things that I'm talking about. So like for me, like and, and if the timetable isn't very clear, um it's 
it's it's tougher for me to be confident about what it looks like with that player. Okay. Okay. And then just a little bit off the off the similar. Um, how about when a guy doesn't start training camp on the pup or non football injury list? Is that is that you know a guy like Cooper Cup for example? We thought he, you know he tore his ACL week seven or something, mm-hmm. week eight. Is that um, when he doesn't start in the pup? Is that something to watch? Or even Emmanuel Sanders, freaking he blew an Achilles out. Does that when they start and they're active participants at the start of camp? It, how does that? What does that do for you? So you're talking about they were on the PUP last season and then they come into training camp the next year? No, like, uh, so Cooper Cup last yep. year had a midseason AC, blew his ACL. Emmanuel yep. Sanders even later blew his Achilles out. Yes. Um, so my question is, um, when we all thought, you know, it's gonna they're going to barely, they're, they might not be ready for week one. But then they uh, start the week and they're already, they start the training camp and they're not even, they avoided the PUP list and they're already training out in the, the practice in full go. Does that make a difference for you? Oh yeah, it absolutely does. I mean, when 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 guys are coming back and they're hitting practice and they're doing all the everything that the team expects of them, that that's huge. You know what I mean? Okay. So that, like, in, that bumps if, up your timetable a little bit. You're like, oh, I think we're ahead of schedule. Oh, of course, of course, okay. absolutely. But I, also in my experiences too is that it these are guys that you could look for as later in rounds too. You know what I mean? Because of those things, so you look for those little bit of pieces. Like if Cooper Cups like slipping in your draft, you get him and like. I don't know if you're getting Cooper Cup anywhere from sixth or later. Like, congratulations. Yeah, I you know mean, what I yeah. mean. So, I mean, so you find value in injury news like that when you when you think yes. timetables ahead of schedule or it's a, you know very clear. You can you you take you take advantage of it. I look for it going against trends. Okay, that's that's the way I look at. It. And injury news is going to be the way to do it. You okay. want to look at what people are going to freak out about and what's your little opening to be able to get in there. Okay, and I also love me. Now, let me give you a little piece of advice. If you have a keeper league where you do round replacements and you have an IR spot. This is Todd's favorite little trick. He thinks he's a genius for this. But anyway, continue, Todd. I am a genius for this. Pick this guy late in that in, in the late rounds. Stick him on your IR. Bonafide keeper, man. It's good stuff. I did that with Edelman and Jordy Nelson, and they were nice keepers. <laughs> They were nice keepers. People and then you were, did it with Jordy Nelson a year later, and it didn't work. But anyway, I get low investment, I suppose. Oh, of course, dude. I mean, you, you it's a late-round pick. You put him on your IR, and you go to the waiver wire to get one of the other 20 guys you also liked. You yeah. know what I mean? So, like, yeah. I mean, those are just like, – but those are the kind of things I'm saying. It's like find those little niches where you can find an advantage from, like, injury. It's not just about freaking out. It's about looking for opportunity, you know? Okay. So, for me, just as a little inverse, this is where we're slightly a little different. I don't yep. think we're, like uh, – total and opposite spheres here but so for me i view any injury updates or any timeline updates during this time of year i view it as i you know i'll say it's i think people tend teams tend to be a little bit more optimistic they they're the training camp i mean the the nfl injury and um status things don't really matter yet they don't have to do a real injury report i don't think until you know the first week of the regular season um, so they can say, you know, when a guy like AJ Green goes down, originally the first the first report was he was going to be out four weeks. He's going to be ready to go. Bengals or yeah, Cincinnati.com said, oh yeah, he's going to be ready for week one. That was the the report this morning. But so there's some optimism. And then even going back to Marlon Mack last year, he um, the first preseason game he popped his hammy. Yep. Um, immediately the that. next day, immediately the next day. They said, "Oh yeah, he'll. It's it's a very minor hamstring. All the people, Roto World picked it up. All the beat reporters picked it up. Minor injury. He'll be ready to go before this season's over with." Then three weeks later, um, in a press conference, uh, Frank Reich or Frank Reich, I don't know how to pronounce it, but the Indianapolis coach, he said, "I'm not sure. He's no longer a lock to make the um, the be ready for week one." And then I think he might have he might have sued up for one in the first five or six games of the season. You know what I'm saying? Because of that yep. that hamstring. So, I and I and I can give you a thousand more examples of just how optimistic we're going to be. And my real opinion, I think AJ Green's not going to be ready for eight to ten weeks, or at least until I'm comfortable to play him. Because what if he, you know, he's trying to rush back early? I'm just very cautious of these early on injury camp news. I've been burned time and time again drafting a guy. Oh, he's going, you know, he's going two rounds later than he was early on. I'm going to pick him up and I'm just going to do what you said. And I've been burned. So, well, I think what I'm trying to say is that like you have to get extreme value on those guys, and then yeah. you got to think about. Here's the other thing too: is is like you know, a fantasy draft's like chess. You got to think a few picks ahead. Like if you pick this guy, what are you going to do in two or three rounds to like to wade that storm? You know, like. I don't know, like a guy I'm thinking of right now, 
uh, I don't know. Like, you got to get, like, a consistent player that's going to, like, do I mean, you something. You get Todd Gurley, round yep. two, and then you pick up, uh, what's the guy out of Memphis, uh, round five or six, right? That Anderson, kind of no, that's like a spell. I'm talking about it doesn't even have to be the guy in the same team, you know? Okay. It's oh, just got to okay. be, like, just somebody who's just going to be, like, Larry Fitzgerald. Perfect example. All mm-hmm. right? You get Larry Fitzgerald to kind of, like, be your wide four for most of the year, but he's going to play where A.J. Green would be, that's, that's not terrible, you know? He gives you that floor that you're looking for to keep you afloat. Right, and then you're going to use him, and then, like, hopefully what you're doing is you're building in other spots, too. So, like, you just need that guy who's going to be able to fill that void until he comes back. But you got to look at it from a value standpoint. Once this guy's back by mid-year and you're looking for playoff contention, is this guy going to be able to push you over the top, you know? And those are the kind of guys you want to look at, you know? And And theoretically, if you have a championship team, you know, or a team that can really compete, you should be still in contention there. That one guy isn't going to make or break your season. So if you're staying afloat and you're competing and then just A.J. Green puts you over the top to where you become unstoppable, something like that. Right. And like an example of a guy that like, it's the same as like a guy with a slow start. It's the same as like an, as it was an early injury. You know, if you went out and you bought Derrick Henry for peanuts and then you started him throughout the end of the year, you, you did pretty well. You know what I mean? Ugh. You know, Ugh. like those are the kind of things that I'm talking about, you know? Um, so okay. I so think I- that's what I'm saying is that like, you got to look at the opportunity in those things. You know, everything about fantasy football is just finding that little bit of like space to find a way to exploit something, you okay. know? All right. So then let's add another layer onto that. Are there specific types of injuries that might affect your dep- your opinion of looking for value? So say, you know, Julian Edelman has a thumb injury. Is that going to affect his catching? I don't know. But or um, whereas someone like AJ Green hurts his his ankle. And that's his explosion. You know, like that's where he gets a lot of his bursts and stuff. Right. Are those things different for you? And does that affect how you go about looking at injuries? Injury camp news. Now, this is where I changed my tune on AJ Green. It's his ankle. Ankle and feet. I very, very have a difficult time with any football players with those. You know? So, things that can be re- easily re-aggravated and that can affect your athleticism. You know? Like, your foot is an incredibly hard thing to heal. Your ankles, Frank injuries in particular. You know, those yeah. things can be really... Those can... Yeah. So now, that's the kind of injury. Now that you told me the type of injury versus the timeline, that's where I get a little bit more wary about it. Like, with quarterbacks, obviously anything to do with, you know, the arm, the neck. Like, neck injuries for QBs is a big problem. Um, shoulders, you know, those are the ones. Um, knee injuries... And at pretty much like any any NFL player who gets an arm injury, like you kind of need your arms to play football. Those are the kind of things that, depending on that, if it's, I don't know, like like a hamstring with the right kind of treatment and the right kind of timetable, that person's going to come back and be okay. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. So I think Todd, this is a that little that hamstring part. Mm-hmm. That's actually where we have a little bit difference here. I agree. Yep. Anything that affects athleticism is a big thing for me, especially for skill position players. QBs, I'm a little bit, you know, a QBs dealing with a knee injury. If they're playing, I, I think they can, Ben Officer's playing with a knee injury, I'm going to trust him to sling it. You know, I'm not too worried about it. But if a, you know, wide receiver is who relies on his athleticism or a running back who needs, you know, has some, you know, bruised ribs or some actually even broken fingers, actually, I've been, t- I've, I've seen stats saying that uh, hand injuries can affect the, running backs a lot for their fancy points. But anyway, I'm, I'm already off. I'm off the rails. But uh, so, yeah, anything that affects your athleticism is a big thing to me. Yep. But you said hamstring, not too worried about it. And I think I would generally agree with you, but I'm a little bit more worried about those soft tissue injuries because um, maybe not initially, but if I get a report, a timetable, and then that timetable gets pushed back because of re-aggravation, then I start worrying about it in the future. Like what pops up to me, Corey Davis' rookie year. Yeah, he, he hurt that hamstring early on in camp and then he you know he rested he you know he he was got ready to go and he was about to fire up again and then he'd re-aggravate it and then he really wasn't himself the entire his rookie season because that he always had to worry about that injury he was always in the injury report um so re-aggravating injuries i think we kind of agree anything that might re-aggravate well to a certain extent i think we agree you know once it starts popping up multiple times of course yeah and then concussions we forgot to say concussions i i get very worried about concussions yep Devontae Freeman pops up to me as a guy. Once you get one or a second one, even then I get worried about multiple ones because, especially when you miss multiple weeks, 
that mean I think the next time you get it, you're gonna get miss more time. Okay, I think concussions. Another po- a thing to point out that's important is concussions, particularly in a dynasty format. You know, yep. with with mm-hmm. all the new like science and studies coming out about what concussions can do, um, players are just straight up just saying it's not worth in retiring. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Oh yeah. So like, if you're investing in a guy long term and he's starting to get multiple concussions might be time to try to see what you can get. You Todd, know? can I actually say a name that people are kind of forgetting who has a history of concussions? Go right for it, David. Devontae Adams has a history of concussions. Uh, he had yeah. some really bad ones. Uh, you, you, oh. did, you, did you tend to pick my number one wide receiver on the Dynasty team? To... I, Todd, I never root are, for an injury. Are, never root for an injury, Todd. Well, are, are, you, are you trying <laughs> to drive down the price for Devontae Adams, Dave? Devontae? No, no, no. I mean... Alvin Kamara, that's my price. All right, let's do it. No, <laughs> um, yeah, no, so, but no, that's true. That is a guy with with uh, concussion history. I agree. And he just and I, but I also too with these type of injuries, people can pick and choose. They're like, oh, you know, we got to worry about Devontae Freeman, but then they don't worry about Devontae Adams. I think you just something you always have to. I try I tend to apply it equally across because we don't know a ton about him, and the NFL has that mandatory. Uh, all those standards you have to get to reach before you come back with concussions. Whereas right. other injuries, you can kind of fudge it. Take some turtle and you're good to go. Right. Well, I also think the other thing with concussions too is like when you talk about Freeman versus Adams is is because what's today versus what's yesterday. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. how quickly we forget exactly. Like Devontae Adams. Like I'm like, oh, Dave just pointed out that my number one wide receiver has concussion history. I kind of forgot about that. But um, like you fell into my trap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool. I'm creeping him. So uh, Free- Freeman is like more of an example, and that guy's went down a lot of people. You know, like with Adams though. Like Adams, when that happened, he wasn't like a first round talent at that point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He built himself up after his concussions. So it's kind of like once people are burned, those are the ones that they really tend to focus on. And if you remember, the people who have Adams right now, especially in Dynasty and Keeper formats, they withstood those two first years of doubt with Devontae. Yep. There was a, there was a, you know, there was a lot of people saying that he was trash, not even an NFL quality receiver, and now he was, you know, a top two wide receiver in football last year. Um, or, or you're an owner Devontae Adams for Derrick Henry in two second rounders. Oh, humble brag, much Todd. Um, <laughs> so I think so. We covered um, basically what we think about injuries. Um, all right, so here's a question. I think we touched on it a little bit earlier, but why don't we just dive into a little bit more? I think we're actually coming on a good pace here, Todd. We have a history of going a little bit long-winded. I'm liking oh, yeah. the pace so far. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, keep moving along. Um, what do you think about, like, like uh, workload reports or, like, who's running with the ones, who's the backups? What, is that, how, what does that do for you? Um, I mean, for me mostly, I would say uh, it – Running backs are my most important position. What about you, Dave? Like, what do you what do you look at for those evaluations? So, I don't look at running backs. Yeah, so I think we're you know another, I don't like how much we're agreeing here. Um, so for as far as workload usage for QBs, wide receivers, and tight ends, I you you like if someone's running with the ones or is the backup, I view that more as a a gauge for where they are in their development. So if I drafted someone like Lamar Jackson last year in Dynasty. I didn't necessarily expect him to be, you know, replace Joe Flacco in training camp. But if I, he's, I found out that he's starting to get a little bit more workload in training camp than I would have expected, I'm not going to bump up my rankings. I'm just, I'm happy with the way he's progressing. Same thing with tight ends, same thing with wide receivers. I think I'm not going to let that, that usage affect what I think about their overall talent is. But like you said, when it comes to running backs, and I think we might disagree about exactly the running backs, like, uh, why it's important for running backs, but for me, I think opportunity is a ver- is a what drives running back production. Um, the coach decides, oh, there are they're getting your goal line touches. They're you know um, they're they're getting the first and second down carries. Whereas, and I think that can be relatively replaceable, as you could see with C.J. Anderson last year and Todd Gurley. Now, I don't think Todd Gurley is as good as or C.J. Anderson is as good as Todd Gurley, but there's a certain value of a replacement that I don't find as stark with with running backs as I do with wide receivers, QBs, and tight ends. Right. Um, it's a more shallow position to begin with. Yeah. You know? And I you just find you and there's just stories of guys like Phil Lindsay coming in and being R B ones or, you know, yep. high R B twos. You just get that more with running backs. So I view it more if a guy's getting touches early on in camp, running with the ones more than I thought, or or forcing the random committee, I pay a lot more attention to that than I than I would um, the other positions. So are you on the same page here or is it we're just semantics or what? 
I mean, I think where we agree with this is that we most pay attention to running backs when it comes yeah. to, like, who's running with the ones. I mean, so the thing about it is is that when it comes to running backs, because you're looking at things by committee, where I disagree with Davis is that Davis looking at it for by opportunity. Like, I agree. Like, that's any fantasy player. Like, targets, carries, whatever. Like, you need to be able to see the ball to make to get points, right? Uh, my point being is that if you're the RB2, but you're in a pass-happy offense and you're the pass-back, like, I will always, I will die on this hill of Tyree Cohen is better than David Montgomery this year as a running back for fantasy. Because I think... Across formats or PPR in particular or what? Across formats. Okay. All right. That's 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 mine. And I also think that if you're picking um, Montgomery or Cohen, you should definitely be getting Mike Davis. Because if Mike Davis is going to be so cheap, and if either of those guys get hurt, he's going to get a heck of a workload. Mike Davis got a nice little contract right. with the Bears. He that would not chump change. Was it right. almost three million dollars, something like that? That's not that's not bad right. for a running back. So out of those three guys, when you're looking at Run DMC, man, you know it's tricky. You know, um, I hope you got that '80s half <laughs> reference, Steve. Uh, but I my mean, thing this cool is, guy like, Maine, I definitely got it. Of course, it is. <laughs> so people are going to comb over like Montgomery. Cohen and Davis. I'm not going to touch Montgomery. You know why I'm not going to touch Montgomery, Dave? Because people are hyped on Montgomery. You go take Montgomery. I'll take a, a, a high-level wide receiver and wait for Cohen to come fall on my lap later. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. So, like, where Montgomery might be like, oh, he's getting the first touches. Oh, please, Montgomery, take those touches. Get people excited so that Cohen's value gets put back. And then people are just going to forget about Davis, and I'll go get him late in the rounds. Okay. Um, so, like, I do look for this for, like, wide receiver threes, too, because if you're in a battle for a wide receiver two, your team probably isn't that great to begin with. But for tight ends, I think, um, actually, I do like watching where tight ends are coming because I like to punt at the tight end position. Okay. So if I can find, like, like Waller's the big one out of Oakland right now. You know, mm-hmm. I would love to get like, you know, pick up, you know, Kyle Rudolph because people are way too high on Irv Smith Jr. And then grab Waller and then see what you can do. Yeah. I think I'm more talking about this more in like a redraft league with a possible yeah. keeper. But in a dynasty, like Waller's like a good guy to go out and like see if you can get him as a throw in, which I just did in another league, you know. Yeah. And um, so those are the kind of guys that you're looking at. In a training camp, like running with the one, so like, because I think tight end is a position that's so inconsistent, they might be able to find a guy that's a bargain, you know. Yeah. And so for me, and just to clarify too, I I like what you're saying about those maybe those ancillary wide receivers. Yep. Um, the bit like last year, I know Traquan Smith didn't have the best year, but I was really happy that he was running, getting a lot of first team reps in training camp. Because as a third round pick, you know, that's some decent draft capital, but, right. you know, there's a lot of third rounders that do nothing. Um, I was just happy to see that he was getting some time with Drew Brees. Um, and I'm not moving up my rankings. That's, see, I think that might, that I want to rid of my, I don't want to double count because I already like Traquan Smith. I don't want to get caught up in the hype that, oh, he's running with the ones and then double count it and then move up my rankings. And I was like, oh, no, I was originally right where I had him value wise. So don't, I don't want to get too excited and, like I think I mentioned this earlier, I draft, ended up drafting Charles Johnson in the fifth round of a redraft league because I liked him. He was getting starting time, and boom, he was probably my worst draft pick I've ever had. Um, right. So yeah, my, mine was mine was the good bishop. You know. Yeah. Like like we've all fallen fallen victim to it. Just learn from your mistakes. And just mm-hmm. you know, don't buy this hype so much. You know, it's yep. about you know see. Trust your initial evaluations yeah. and then use it to augment it or to support. Like, I wouldn't, like, you know, I would stay away from confirmation bias, but just just be aware. Don't get too excited. So are you saying people should go with their gut, Dave? No, I think, uh, well, you know, <laughs> semantics. Now I'll, I'll slip my – no, stick to your original evaluations. With, you know, uh, you know that's what I'll say. St- don't – at least for wide receivers and those types of players, stick to your original va- evaluations. Um, you might miss out some guys like Calvin – I was really down on Calvin Ridley last year. Yep. Um, I stuck to my beliefs. I've changed this time. I've totally come around full circle, and I like Calvin Lee a lot, but – and that's what happens when you stick to your convictions a bit more. But in those positions, I'm more likely to than um, running back where I'm like, okay, he's getting the carries. Let's go. Let's go with it. Right. Um, all right. So next, we're just going to breeze through maybe some holdouts, Todd. How how are you reacting to Melvin Gordon and Zeke? And how is that affecting your rankings? Are you looking – if you're competing now in Dynasty, are you looking to maybe – 
get like a Dalvin Cook for Zeke, um, that kind of trade, or are you just staying with your, you know, are you not letting the holdout stuff bother you? All right. So first of all, let's look at this in two different formats, because I think with holdouts, you have to think of that as in Dynasty and in Redraft, Mm -hmm. you know? So let's talk about, first of all, what type of players are holding out. If you're holding out, you're a stud. Mm-hmm. You're, you're the kind of guy that's going to be a top two round pick, right? So for Dynasty, I'm not freaking out because you're talking about a long-term investment, right? And not to mention that long-term investment is now not going to net you what you're going to try to trade him for. Well, you know, brave the storm, man, you know? Like mm-hmm. that guy is going to be a major part to your team. And not to mention... Once they sign, the hype's going to go back up, and then your trade value is going to go back up. Like once things start to turn, that's when you actually might want to start looking to shop. When a, a guy's on a stock, mar- a little bit with the stock market, try to ride the wave a little bit. You exactly. Know, that kind of thing. Like why? Like if you're freaking out about trying to move a guy, then you're probably not in a good position to make that kind of a, a move. You know? Yeah. Um, like for me personally, like I wanted to move on from Melvin Gordon because of wear and tear to a certain degree. Like he's, he's been a he's workhorse that traditional touch limit. He's over that. And, yeah. So, and, so yeah. I moved him this off season, you know, I also moved Derek Henry, you know, I also moved AJ green. None of these guys, this is all coincidence. <sighs> my brag, brag, brag. But my point, <laughs> but my point is for like these holdouts, they're studs brave mm-hmm. the storm. And, but, now let's say from the other side of the coin, you don't have those guys. Absolutely, go engage those owners. Yeah, you know. But for drafts, like for redrafts, initial drafts, if you're not looking for a long-term commitment with these guys, let that be somebody else's headache. And I'm going to piggyback right exactly what you said. I agree with you just about everything you're saying. And then in redraft, um, unless it's an extreme, extreme value, like say before the injury or before the suspension, say Terry Kill was going in the ninth round. Okay, right. I'll take a flyer on Tiger Hill in the ninth round, even even though I actually wouldn't. But anyway, but just for theory <laughs> Cause, purposes. Because you're a mayor in morals, Dave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and people say don't do that in fantasy, but I, I'm sorry. I, I get too excited for my fantasy teams as it is. It's tough to – anyway, anyway. It's your team, um, man. It's your team. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah exactly. Um, so, and so that being said, if – to say Melvin Gordon is going in the early or mid, say he's going in the mid-second round in redraft right now. Yep. I like players in his tier or maybe even the next tier below him where he's going. I'll just say let Melvin Gordon be someone else's headache. You know, if, if Dalvin Cook does what I think he's going to do anyway, he's going to probably do what Melvin Gordon's going to do. So why not just try to go with a little bit less risk and go, you know? Right. And it's actually funny that we're talking about this because I actually drafted Melvin Gordon recently in um, a startup. And in that startup, it's a super flex week. It's 40-man rosters. Um, Devi aspect too. Yep. I, um, I, so I, and I'm a big believer that after four rounds in super flex, you need two QBs, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, trust me, folks. This will be a later topic that we'll get into. Oh heavily, yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not yeah. tr- trust me, Dave. I won't digress too much here. But my point being is that so I take luck because I love luck at eleven, and then all I wanted back was either Michael Thomas or Baker Mayfield, which of course the guy at twelve takes. So now I'm sitting there and I'm like, I really don't want to take Melvin Gordon there, mm-hmm. but you can't deny that value. Okay. That Melvin Gordon is a second round draft pick because Melvin Gordon is like kind of guy that can finish top five in fantasy. You know, mm-hmm. like no problem. So you got to kind of like weigh your investment there. And I think Gurley's a similar kind of guy. Now, Gurley, you're talking about tendonitis in the knee and that injury is Arth- crazy. Not tendonitis, arthritis. Tom. Arthritis. My bad. My bad. 100% difference. Thank you for correcting me. But my thing about it is, if like you're in the early third round, Todd Gurley's sitting there, roll the dice, bro. Yeah, say Todd Gurley's 18, like loses 18% of what he did last year. He's still an RB1. Heck yeah, dude. I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. So, like, when it comes to holdouts, you still in dynasty, it's a long term investment. That guy's a stud. The only thing about holdouts is here's 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 a weird way of looking at this. If a guy's holding out going into the regular season in dynasty, their body's not breaking down. <laughs> yeah, you can yeah, for your playoff push. <laughs> right. And not to mention like for long term investment. I know it's a weird way of looking at it, but yeah, you gotta be a little optimistic about these things. So yeah, so um yeah, so Dave, I don't know, like, so anything else you want to add about holdouts? No, I think let's wrap this up, Todd. We're we're doing good here. Yeah, I yeah I so so Dave, 
we've talked a lot about training camp today. I, I you know I think we did a nice job, um, you know, going through the major parts, but we went through a lot of things. What are the things that people should really take away from this discussions when they're looking at training camp news? Yeah, and like some act actually at we talk strategy, how we look at things, some actionable. What should you be doing in fantasy with training camp news? Right. Number one. When you're processing information, know what type of information you're reacting to. Is it coach? Is it beat reporter speculation? Is it um, coaches speak? Is it um, injury news? Just know what you're re- you're reading. Know what you're processing. If it's a blurb on Reddit World, they have a little button there that tells you where they got it from. Click on that and just try to get a bigger picture of what it is, and can't just relying on someone else's opinion. You know, just get a feel for what what you're reacting to, um, and then also. Understand what that news is going to do to the football community and how it affects value. Um, like, you know, how Todd Gurley's injury news, what's that doing to his value? Can you find value there? As you know, can you stomach that value as a dynasty owner? Absolutely. Can, um, you know, and then two, we talked about things that we just don't give a crap about, Todd. We talked yep. about training camp videos. We talked about, I mean, you like hard knocks a bit more than I do, but there, you know, <laughs> you <laughs> use these things that you do not care about. Tweets, player tweets, um, uh, workout videos. Use that to your advantage. If it's affecting or, uh, or beat your partner's speculations, affecting um, ADP, which happens all the time. We listed them early on. Trey Burton, at effect of his ADP, he jumped five rounds, I think, at one point. Um, use that to your advantage. Pump it up in your dynasty league. If you own a guy who's getting a lot of things, pump that stuff into your league chat. People come to you in trades, capitalize, get out and get that value while you can. Um, in a trade negotiation, maybe you don't agree with something, but you have a source that you can cite. Give someone a Roto World blurb. Oh yeah, Darius Guy says no problem. This hamstring injury, and you trade him away, and then you know you reap the value. So that's my biggest thing. Um, you know, and also too, I, I'm actually a little surprised with how much we agreed, despite our different philosophies and our approaches. We came away that basically, yeah, ignore the hype. Know what does matter and what doesn't. Um, yeah, I think we. I think that was another thing I got got away tonight was we didn't argue as much as I thought we were going to. No, I, I think where we get different is it's training camp doesn't produce big time numbers from from the news. You know, yep. it's a lot of speculation. It's a lot of things that. Um, people get excited about but it's nothing hard like no hard evidence with it dave loves to dive into new numbers where i don't but we're not really getting into that right now yep you know that's, so we'll probably get into it next week that's something we're probably gonna dive into next yeah. week like for me i agree with dave it's ignore the noise you know you know camp news is mostly about injuries and sleepers you know mm-hmm. and this really shouldn't affect like if camp's affecting your top picks unless it's an injury or a holdout you're doing something wrong all right. Yep. Like, like your first six rounds, like something from camp should not affect that. You know, unless unless it's what we talked about. Right. You know, um, you should have, but also like the most important thing I think about heading into camp is like you should already have some guys in your head that you're excited about. Most of the time they're going to be rookies, I would say. You know, but don't get discouraged by early camp news. At the best advice I can have is that that bad first impression could drive down the price and open up mm-hmm. an opportunity for you to get that guy. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, you know, can, can I add one more thing Todd? I actually yeah. forgot to say, you know, when we're diving into training camp like this and we, you know, we come in, we do all our research or, you know, we get our feels for it in the off season and then training camp starts and that rotoblower hips yep. or roto world thing of your sleeper, yep. a guy you were expecting to draft like you know, late 16th, 17th round. And then everyone's on to him. Yep. That's probably one of the worst part besides injury news. Yep. That's probably the worst is when your sleeper does get called out and you're like mother bleeper, like Justin Jackson. I love Justin Jackson. And then the Melvin Gordon held out happens. And I'm like, screw it. Now I can't get Justin Jackson everywhere anymore. Yep. I was trying to get Eckler, like, hardcore. Yep. And now I'm like, I'm off it. I'm off it. I'm not even going to try. Yep. Um, for me, like, a good example would be, like, Balazs, like, getting blown up right now. You know what I mean? And you you acquired him before the blew up happened. But I did. But, that's for Dynasty, but for Redraft, it's tougher. But the reason I did that was, is, like, when I trade uh, on Johnson, I had Zenner. And I convinced the guy to... Because we have a deep league, like you yeah, want the deep, spell, deep you want the spell, and I was able to get Balage back. So now, if I didn't have Drake, I would go look for Drake. If I had Balage, I would look to move Balage because yep. the hype is real. But you're not going to go pick up Balage based yeah. on this news, right? I happen to have both, and I'm just going to be thankful for that. You know what yep. I mean? So, um, 
yeah, so that's my big thing is like, remember, like camp news is mainly for injuries and sweepers. Trust your initial reactions and look for those opportunities that guys are down on. All right, Todd. Yeah, so that wraps up our episode for today. Um, our next episode, episode two, is going to be about more specifically, we're going to stick with training camp and more current news, but we're going to talk about specific training camp battles. You know, what's going on in Denver at wide receiver and running back? What's happening in that wide receiver two, three roll in Green Bay? That's what we're going to get into. We're going to get more into We're going to... This episode, we just want to do some more general strategy, introduce ourselves, get a feel for it. But we're going to get a deep dive, get some numbers going, get some more gut feelings going next episode. So if people, this episode was people who like to talk strategy and bigger ideas. Next episode, you're going to get some more. If you don't just, this is what you're going to get. It's just some more actual advice besides just strategy. So um, yeah, so I'm trying to think here. Yeah, so I'm, uh, so that wraps us up. I'm uh, FF Spaceman Dave Wright. Um, you can find me on Twitter at FF underscore um, Spaceman. Um, our podcast is on Twitter at Tale of Two Rivals, all spelled out. Um, and yeah, and I'll kick it over to my co-host to wrap us up here. Hey, I had a great night tonight, Dave. I'm Todd Foster. You can follow me at FFF underscore Banterman. And hey, can't wait to see you next time. And remember, keep researching. Keep <laughs> researching.